And we are back with another episode of the How About Them Celtics podcast. Sam and I are here recording on Sunday, December 11th, and we are joined by Cameron Tabatabai of the Celtics Lab podcast. Sorry, I panicked there because I wanted to make sure I pronounced the name right. <laughs> Celtics Lab podcast. I, I had and internal Celtics panic Wire. myself. I was like, did he get it right? Is he going to get it right? Too. <laughs> How was it, Cam? Was, that, was I okay? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I think some folks know that I'm a teacher, and in the classroom, I just go by Mr. T. Because um, okay. Tabu Tabai is just like a mouthful. So, if we can get that going in NBA circles, that'll just make things easier for everyone. <laughs> Mr. T, I like it. I like it. I don't know if you know this, but I originally, or I guess secondarily, was studying to be a history teacher as well. So, oh, great. I, I didn't know that. I, I respect it. I was a, a substitute teacher. Uh, over winter break for a couple of years and i was mr s because simone you'd be surprised how many people mess up simone too which is yeah, not nearly I, who's as hard. messing up simone i would be surprised that is surprising <laughs> hey so, simone my high is nothing compared to mr t here hey yeah, i'm I not agree. gonna try but my high school teacher at graduation or excuse me my high school principal at graduation messed up my name my younger brother's name and my younger sister's name at graduation what do they say mom was not i was simeon simeon uh, there's no i yeah, there's I no know. I after the I M. And the craziest part is there's a kid in my grade whose name is Simeon, which like you can understand, like but I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't next to him in the line because I sang the national anthem at graduation with a, a group from like, oh, okay. Glee Club because I did Glee Club and stuff. And that was my high school. But I, the point is, I wasn't anywhere near Simeon in the line. So he had no reason to mess mine up. I think my, my brother, one of them was Simone and the other <laughs> one was like Simeon. So it. You'd be surprised. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, no one should be for, messing it up. Yeah, the default for me is people just say Tuppet to buy incorrectly, which <laughs> if I could go back and change my Twitter handle, I wouldn't make it mostly just the name you can't pronounce. <laughs> hey, I respect it. You give someone, uh, give people something to work for. I, I, I had to uh, try my best. and I, I think I have it fairly down pat, but I was definitely panicking in the intro. Uh, but yeah, thank you for joining us. I know you have a new puppy at home. Mm -hmm. How's that been? Ricky Bobby, right? Ricky Bobby. Um, it's been great. Uh, he slept through the night mostly, other than when we woke him up to go out. Ton of accidents in the kitchen on the tile, which is good. <laughs> Very few accidents elsewhere. So yes, taking it one day at a time. But thanks for asking. He's great. Of course, of course. You made That's him awesome. sound like a like a child, like an infant that he's sleeping <laughs> through the night. <laughs> like yeah, we, we're, it's not we're doing well. Like we don't have these. to get up. It, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I think it's supposed to snow a little bit here, so we'll see how he does with that. Yeah, it's snowing up a storm here uh, where really? I'm at. So, oh, that's yeah, yeah. I hope it's not coming to me. I love snow. I'm in well, you're Brooklyn, Eastern. Got you should yet. be. Mm, I'm like 40 minutes south. I'm in Eastern Mass, but uh, we've got a nice coverage right now. So, oh, you're we, far. We how, do you, how do you get to games? When I go into games, I usually just drive to the red line uh, in Quincy, like Quincy Adams, oh, and, and like then I just take a But Ooh, it, it would technically – yeah, it's it's tough, but it's it would technically be shorter to like just drive straight into Boston because it's like a 35, 40 minute drive. But I just hate driving in Boston. So I just take yeah. the D because it's not worth it. So uh, we, we add a little time to cause me less stress, which I, I think is worth it. But uh, also sure. before we start, just for my own curiosity, I know you're a history teacher. What, what grade do you teach? Uh, I teach 10th grade AP World. Um Okay. So if, if any of my students are listening, you'd be getting some grading back from me this afternoon. Uh, and then I also teach economics, which okay. uh, ends up being like more of a current events class. But mm -hmm. 
I'm just Nom- curious. Nominally, know. I know something about economics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious to know what what the the lesson is right now in AP World, just because I I do like history. I mean, I'm, I I majored oh, in it. So. We're in the throes of uh, the Atlantic Revolution, so we're uh, doing the declarations of the rights of women and the female citizen tomorrow, and then the Haitian Rev the next day. There you go. All right. That uh, sorry, Sam. I have, no, I have nothing for you guys. <laughs> I warned Sam. I said, Sam, I was a history major. I'm gonna have to ask. So that's I, fine. Uh, I, I planned it out, but we, we can't get into the Celtics. About whatever it is, it would have been today. <laughs> what would have been today? I don't think I had anything. So Sam always me. brings a complaint to the show. Yeah, I don't have but, anything. Uh, we, we can get into the Celtics because I, I think this was one of the first episodes we've recorded directly after a loss. Obviously, that's their sixth loss of the season, which is it's good yeah. for this point in the year. But I don't know if we've recorded like any of our recordings fell directly after one of those. Uh, but. Cam is lucky because he gets to talk about the loss. Maybe it's a curse. Oh, joy. Celtics <laughs> uh, lost to the Warriors. I think it was 123-107 uh, on Saturday night. We're recording on Sunday. You'll hear this on Monday uh, for the listeners. Uh, I would argue it was maybe one of their worst losses of the season. I mean, it can't be worse than the Bulls maybe, but this one was rough considering, you know, NBA Finals matchup. Uh, it really didn't look like they – adjusted at all uh on defense i mean they they switched up the personnel they played grant at the five tatum at the five but they kept dropping back they kept giving curry and clay uh those open threes and open mid-range shots joe mazula after the game said he was fine with the open mid-range shots you have to take away everything else and he pointed transition which was also bad um but it, it was just overall not the best performance from the celtics and not the one you wanted to see against the warriors what, what were your takeaways cam uh, yeah, more or less that. I mean, uh, I said as such, it's December. It's a data point. We don't need to go nuts with it. But uh, I felt like in the finals, the Celtics got punked a little bit, that they the moment was too big for them. And it did feel like they weren't themselves uh, on Saturday night. So so I do wonder if there's a mental side of it, that um the, the lights were a little too bright because it felt like a lot of the familiar issues we saw in the finals with, you know, the Browns, I mean, the Browns, the Jays, um, not really being facilitators with some of the offensive stuff stagnating. Like they played small, but they didn't really push the pace that much, which I know is kind of dangerous against the Warriors to to challenge them to that. But um, it just, it felt familiar uh, reaching back to June. And then, yeah, to your point, I mean, some of the the things that were new, the, the drop defense, um, Brogdon for a moment looked like he was going to save the day and then that kind of faltered. So I don't want to overemphasize one game. They're still four and one on a really tough or now three and one rather on a really tough road trip. Um, but it felt like they got their pants pulled down a little bit there. Yeah, they, this was a game they should have been ready for and, and maybe they were too ready for it and they, they had their nerves going a bit, but it was the first time for me that it felt like they were not the better team. Mm-hmm. Now, like they got bullied in Chicago and they got beat bad in the United Center twice. But in those games, you really just were like, all right, when's it going to happen? When are they going to flip the switch? And it never came. It felt like on Saturday at the Chase Center, they didn't have it. The Warriors owned them. They were more confident the whole time. They were getting easy shots. Every look Golden State had seemed like was a clean look. They weren't having to really work hard to get baskets. Everything for Boston seemed tough. A lot of threes, a lot of step back, a lot of contested drives. Like it just, it just was like two different levels of basketball. 
And it's so strange this season seeing the Celtics not be the team that has the upper hand. And, and they just looked shaken up. Tatum, of course, wasn't very good. And the drop coverage was frustrating to watch. It was just like, man, this was the game that you really wanted them to come and play. And and maybe maybe it makes you think they might not be ready yet. But the record says another thing. But very disappointing to see them come out like that. The first primetime game of the year for the NBA. First one for them. And, and it's just nothing. Even though I got to say, this was a game I felt like was coming, not necessarily against the Warriors, but like sometime soon. Ever since yeah. they lost that game to Miami, it wasn't a loss that I felt like they really like had a horrible, horrible game. And I still felt like that was overdue. I felt like we were due for a game like the one, the last one like this we got was in Chicago. And, and it finally came. It just came at a really bad time. Yeah, for sure. And, like Cam said, it's an 82-game season, and like you said, this is bound to happen eventually. So it, it's tough to be too upset with the Celtics. They can't win every game, um, and they haven't won every game. And I know Sam would they love to win every, every game. game. <laughs> but I, You're due for a game like that when you, when you rely on the three that much. It was a game mm-hmm. where they didn't make very many threes. They shot pretty poorly on the open ones. I believe Greeny tweeted it was 7 of 20 on open and mm-hmm. in very similar percentage numbers if there was wide open. Like they shoot the most threes in the league or second most, and they shoot the highest percentage. So it translates to wins. But on a, on a day where they're not falling, you kind of saw them panic, and they didn't have an answer. Oh. Mm. Welcome back, Cam. You froze for a second. It's okay. It's usually, it's usually me. <laughs> so I think Sam This is how excited. it feels. <laughs> cool. It's a, it's a good metaphor for last night's game. I mean, exactly. Um, I don't know what I missed. I was only You're talking about things. the poor shooting a little bit. Yeah, but. it felt, Sam, to your point, like, it wasn't a bad game as an NBA fan. I mean, the Curry hitting that that three at the end of the first was just like really exciting, and it kind of summarized. I disagree. Maybe what... <laughs> Sam's, disagree. Sam's the homer of the show, so <laughs> it summarized. I think where the Warriors were at. I guess maybe not the Celtics. Um, they they had their chance. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they cut it to what eight or or maybe seven? might have been six. Six, um, yeah, it's close. So Jalen Brown. I wish he facilitated the ball more. I guess. Maybe he passed and people weren't hitting their shots. Um, he had a pretty nice game. So uh, I think you're right that th- this kind of game was bound to happen. Um, I guess we'll talk about the Jays in a little bit. It does feel like if you're going to be the MVP, this is the type of game that you step up. Because um, Tatum, between you know the middle of the third and maybe all of the fourth, didn't really score. Or he scored a few free throws. Um, or the whole it, game. Yeah. Well, I mean, he finished, what, he was like 18, uh, six and three steals or something. I mean, he was impactful. He just wasn't an MVP. He wasn't if, efficient, which is what we've seen this year, right? Yeah. I think, Jack, we we corresponded over Twitter about this. Like, if the if the standard for this Celtics team is blow the barn doors off people on offense mm. uh, and then maybe play some defense, there are going to be nights where that doesn't work because you're going to die by the three sometimes. and. Mm. I do think Jason Tatum is very worthy of the MVP conversation, but like go ask the Mavs, um, go ask the Bucks when the MVP doesn't have it. It's a lot harder. And this felt like Tatum didn't have it. Boston wasn't hitting their threes. And that's enough to, you know, let a game slip through your hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And like, as great as Jalen Brown is, and we just had a video go up because we talked about last time him having a monster season, Jalen Brown had 31 points. 
but Jason Tatum was off and the shooting was off. And like you said, that was enough, right? Like Jalen Brown is a great player and he's fully capable of carrying the Celtics. If Jason Tatum is also playing well, if the shooters are also shooting well, if the defense is also on point, Jason Tatum is usually capable of carrying the Celtics period, like regardless of what happens. And I I think that's, that's the very slight difference. And Jalen Brown is improving and both players are improving. And this is not a shot at Jalen Brown. It's just, that is the difference between all NBA star and, MVP superstar, right? Like that, yeah. that's the slight difference you're seeing. And I think you tweeted about this last night. It was what three assists between the two of them? I think four, maybe four, night, yeah. four assists, which is just not okay, right? And you you sort of expect that sometimes from Jalen Brown. He's still not a great facilitator, but Jason Tatum has emerged as a great playmaker, and you, you kind of need him to put up those four or five assists a game. And in a game where he's not shooting well, usually it has to be more. Uh, right. And that just wasn't on. And it, it looked like the Celtics offense was almost panicking a little bit like they were getting stale and then they were just like okay come set a screen i'm just gonna go iso come here quick 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 and it, they were kind of reverting back to what they were doing at the start of last season uh, and it was very frustrating because you know that this is on paper and as we've seen the best offense in uh, of the nba by far uh, and they just didn't really bring that against the warriors it seemed like almost as if the moment got in their head a little bit which was very weird so too yeah yeah so Tatum's and ghost of June, <laughs> December, <laughs> Halloween. Is it the Christmas Carol? He's seeing the ghosts of Christmas past. It's like, <laughs> I think also um, Smart probably saw a few ghosts. Um, now I'm the frozen one. Here we go. We're back. We're good. All right. No, yeah. we're not. Sam won't hear us. Oh, wait, Sam, I are you back? You. Okay. Bad. Sometimes Sam freezes, but he can still like. We can still hear him. At least that's my experience. Anyway, sorry, Cam. Go ahead. No, I had to, I was frozen for a while, and then and then it cut, cut out for real. Um, I think Smart also saw a few ghosts. Um, we talked about this on the Celtics Lab podcast the other day. Um, Brogdon does a really nice job of kind of taking that pressure off of Smart to right the ship, and I didn't really see that last night. Brogdon again, uh, I believe it was the second or maybe the third quarter. He had a few threes. You know, he took it to the rim a little bit, but he did feel a little off in a way that he wasn't stabilizing the offense. I didn't really think smart was stabilizing the offense. And then, yeah, Tatum and Brown had the games they had. So I don't know. Joe Missoula is 34. They made him do that really awkward, like walking interview. I'm sure he felt a little off. (laughs) Um, I think everyone felt a little off that night and Mm -hmm. credit where credits too. the Warriors balled out. I mean, Steph Curry as well. He might had a really, really good game, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both did. Clay and Stephen Clay. Okay. Clay was annoying to me because Clay really hasn't been that great this season. Am I right? Nope. This is <laughs> no, his best game. No. Of yep. the season. You bet. He's you bet your ass. The Celtics are in town. Somebody's having their best game of the season. It's just how it goes. <laughs> hasn't been that way too much this year, which which I can be happy about. But in in years past, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. But you know, it'll happen eventually. Steph Curry, you can expect thirty from Clay Thompson, even if he's not having a great year. I mean, I know he's had thirty point games earlier in the season, but nothing like this, quite like this. But you know, they're, they're the two best shooters of all time, or they're up there. So it, it it'll happen eventually, and it doesn't help when the Celtics are just giving them open looks and fouling them on three pointers. So we yep. can talk about that briefly. Why? Like, I don't I don't understand the, the purpose of the drop defense on Steph and Clay, and it was slightly different uh, in the finals last year, and it kind of changed it a little bit this year, but they were determined to go over screens around and then behind Stephen Clay, and then they just kind of fouled them like four times in the first and second quarters. 
uh, and they made no adjustments. Like even when they swapped out Grant, uh, excuse me, Blake Griffin and Luke Cornett uh, for Grant and Tatum at the five, mm-hmm. they were still dropping back. They they still weren't really pressing up on the screens, and they made small adjustments throughout the game. But at that point, it was just way too late to do anything, and they they just let the the Warriors go on this avalanche of scoring, go on this ridiculous run of Steph getting an open three, Clay getting an open mid range. And they were, it was like they were playing 2K and spamming the same play because the Celtics were playing <laughs> the same defense. It, it just didn't make any sense thing. to me. It made I no said sense. the same thing. It looked like I was playing in like a 2K league and some guy was using the screens and you couldn't do anything to defend it. No matter what you did, no matter what player you tried to control, it would not work. I, I mean, just I, don't, I don't get that. It doesn't seem like they play this kind of defense. No, I, I think that's one of the interesting things about Missoula is I think he's a good coach for this moment because, you know, the, the team is coming into their own and they don't need to be micromanaged. And that seems to be the skinniest, you know, he's not over calling plays. He's not <laughs> calling timeouts as we'd love to talk about. Um, and this felt like a night where actually the coach needed to step in and, and yeah, it just felt like Missoula really could have been uh, more firm with, all right, cut it out. We're changing. And it's not like the Celtics don't have tape on the Warriors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they spent the entire finals doing the same defense, not changing it, let Curry getting whatever he wants. And then they they just did the same thing. It was just in the span of a game rather than the seven game series. It didn't make sense. I saw something on Twitter. I think it was Keith, Keith Smith tweeting like, this felt like the first game this season when Joe Missoula was actually out coached by an opposing coach. And I, I think, you know, there wasn't even much Steve Kerr needed to do. He was just like, okay, that's what they're doing. Steph, just keep doing that. And yeah. That's all that really happened, um, which was frustrating because you know the Celtics are better than what they did against the Warriors. And there are going to be games where they play below expectations. They, like, it was inevitable that, like Sam, like you said, this was game was bound to happen eventually. It just sucks that it was in Golden State against the Warriors, against the fan base who so clearly – you know, took that to heart. I mean, even in my mentions, I had someone dropping a Steph gift. Like you can tell that Warriors fans are sick of Celtics fans and vice versa. So for the league best Celtics to go into Golden State and lose to the, or yeah, lose to the 500 Warriors who, you know, the little asterisks are now 12 and two at home. Like, it's not like they're a bad team at home, but still the 500 Warriors, you can get why fans are frustrated. Although we can talk about this too. I will never understand the the you know sky is falling fans who after one loss are ready to abandon ship, are ready to make a million trades, are ready to adjust everything because you saw that a lot on Twitter last night. I mean, actually, I I'm going to go on a riff here. I kind of get it insofar as I feel like that's what television coverage of, of basketball is, and mm. it's you know two hours straight of people doing this, but with the heat really turned up. I mean, it doesn't make for good TV to say, like, that was an interesting little game we watched, but there's not much to glean from it. I mean, so I don't know. I don't – obviously, I'm working during the day. I don't watch first take or things like that, but I see it through Twitter and whatnot, and it's always, like, the hottest of hot takes. So I do think there's, like, a trickle-down uh, culture of everything is the worst thing that's ever happened or the best thing that's ever happened, and it, it's just, like, not entertaining to be nuanced or calm about it, which I understand. Um but I don't know. That's something that I've toyed with in my head is like, uh, Jack, to your point, like it's not like any of us control that much of Celtics Twitter, but they're like very, very, very <laughs> small corners that we interact with. Mm-hmm. You know, people are losing their cool over, oh, we're going to play the Warriors again yeah. later in the season. So I don't know. Um, 
probably a, a meaningful win for the Warriors who are kind of spinning their tires. Probably a nothing burger for the Celtics. Um, but yeah, I would agree fans on either side of the equation can catch their breath. That's a good point, especially, you know, considering what kind of start the Warriors are off to. This is going to be big for them, I think. This is like a big confidence boost. It'll probably bring their team together if they're not already tight-knit. I mean, that core group has been together forever. But being 500, then you beat the best team in the league that's just rolling everybody. They just beat the Western Conference, you know, top of the top of the conference team on Wednesday by a million. And they come into your house and you really dominate the whole game. That's great for you if you're the Warriors. And if you're the Celtics, it's going to sting, but maybe it lights a fire under you going into L.A., which I hope I want that Lakers game more than I wanted this Warriors game. To be honest with you, I hate the Lakers, hate LeBron, hate all of them. I think Davis and his dad are a bunch of whiny pricks. Like, I just, I don't like any of it. Um, so, one, I'm going to bring this up because Horford is coming off of the COVID protocols, whether he's going to be cleared or not. That is a back-to-back. And if I'm the Celtics, I'm sitting him on the first night instead of the second night, just because yeah. I think it's more important. Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP right now, except the team sucks. So he's not going to be the MVP. But you need somebody in there to try and neutralize him, and it's not going to be Blake Griffin. Even though Blake Griffin's been all right, he's just not really covering the shooters on the screens like we saw yesterday, but he's he's been okay. He hustles. He makes his shots. He, he played a solid statistical game yesterday. But it would really help to have Al Horford back over him in the starting lineup for sure. And, you know, not to mention Rob, but I'm not putting too much weight into that because he's got a cannon on his knee. The biological weapon, whatever you want to call it. The thing is a machine of a leg brace. So I'm I'm not really putting my eggs in that basket, but Horford has proven to be good this season, so I will bank on him. And if he's not back, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting. I think I'd like to see Tatum guard bigger guys more, mm-hmm. like play bigger. I think he can. I think he's strong enough to. Um, so if you have Tatum guard Davis, it's not ideal, but LeBron is playing so uh, with limited interest, I guess you could say that you could probably stick Grant <laughs> on him. Um, so it would be better if you had Rob and or Horford, um, and it would be probably bad to use Cornette or Blake on on Davis. But if not, yeah. I'd like to see Tatum come to task. When's the Clippers game? Mm, Monday. Monday, because the Clippers were just in Washington, so they got to come back to the West Coast. That could be you know advantageous for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, there's always the, is Kawhi going to play? Which I think he will. Go ahead, <laughs> yeah. Jack. Uh, no, yeah, I feel like Kawhi and Paul George are going to play. And, I mean, heading into this road trip, what is it, a six-game road trip, including Toronto, five-game West Coast swing? I mean, I, I think a lot of people predicted, you know, oh, what are they going to go on this road trip? I don't think a lot of people said 6-0. and I think there were a bunch of 4-2. and two. Of course, Sam, you said 6-0. and Some, some of us did. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I think I said four and two, five and one should be the goal. Four and two seems like a realistic thing because, you know, it, it's never easy <clears throat> to win on the road, even though the Celtics have been pretty good out there. But, you know, this is the first loss in a two and one on the road trip. Uh, they've got chances to pick it back up uh, after that. So Lakers Clippers is going to be a big test because, like you said, Sam, it's back to back. Horford's probably only going to play one game or almost certainly only going to play one game. He's going to, to play one. Yeah. Those back yeah. spasms are going to catch up to him. <laughs> well, you I have to hope. Maybe not. When did he go out with COVID? Thursday? Uh, he's missed two games. He missed the Suns and the... Because it's my understanding that he would have to be symptomatic enough to have been tested. So, like, in theory, he has... Uh, we're, we're speculating. This is not reporting. Yes, um, in theory, he's sick enough to have been tested and caught COVID. So, I guess mm. there's a chance that, you know, I hope, knock on wood, 
it's a non-issue, but that he's sick, sick, and he misses longer. This is his third time having COVID. Yeah, yeah he's he's like a stinks. petri dish over that there. He's, it does suck. Is he going over there like not washing his hands, licking doorknobs, really trying to get it? Maybe he didn't want to play against the Warriors. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Scheduled <laughs> himself a vacation. <laughs> Ugly, unfortunate for Al, but uh, no, yeah. I mean, Davis is going to be a big test, depending on PG and Kawhi, which I, I assume they'll play because, <clears throat> excuse me, you get up for those big games. Uh, it'll be interesting, but Blake Griffin, like you guys said, I mean, he's having a good season. He's obviously not the guy you want to go to against those top tier big guys, but I tweeted this out last night. He looked like the only guy trying against yep. the Warriors, right? Like he was hustling. He was fighting him for offensive rebounds. He he jumped up for that uh, putback against uh, on the Marcus Smart layup, I think it was. And then on those two possessions in a row where the Celtics just let Poole and Clay Thompson leak out in transition, it just seemed like it was Blake Griffin fighting on the boards and fighting for a layup with the rest of the team just kind of watching him. Like there, there was so much ball watching last night. And I also, I dubbed it Blake watching. Everyone was just watching Blake Griffin or watching the ball off rebounds on layups on shots. Like it, it, it's like they were exactly what you said. They were seeing ghosts. They were just staring into the void and watching things pan out in front of them instead of actually acting on it. It was very frustrating because you haven't seen that a lot from the Celtics this season. And I, I don't really know why, right? Like a part of it could be, you know, it's the Warriors who just lost in the finals, but ball watching of any kind, like it, that's just not something the Celtics have done. So it's very confusing as to why they kind of reverted to that. Yeah. I, this is going to sound really ageist, but I'm going to try it on for size. Anyways, last year I spent a, a lot of the season saying it's unlikely that a 24 and 25 year old can get it done. And now we have a yeah. Jalen's 26 and uh, Jason will turn 25, I think in March from a, NBA history perspective and from a psychology perspective, it's just unlikely that they are growing or they're done growing, that they see the game as well as they're ever going to see it. Um, so to your point, even though Blake's knees might not be able to take him where he wants to go, his brain is ready. And I, I think the Jays are still young. And interestingly, I was ready to kind of retire that take this year. I figured, you know what, they are that much older. They did just go to the finals that there's just like so much more wind in their sails, but um, Jack, maybe you've observed this too, or Sam, you as well. Like they've brought up their own ages several times in post-game press conferences. So it's something they're thinking about. Um, they like uh, a few day- games ago, uh, smart was talking about Jalen's growth and Jalen said, well, I used to be 19. Now I'm 26. It's like, yeah, but the brain's still developing until it's 27 or 28 and mm. 26 isn't that old in the NBA. So I do think there's an element where, they're, because they've been into the postseason so deep so many times, we kind of just assume they're just as polished and professional as, you know, uh, Curry and um, Clay or LeBron and Davis, but they're still quite young. Um, if Tatum pulls it out as a 25-year-old MVP, that's not unprecedented, but it's a younger MVP season. So I do think, not like they're immature, like they're punks or anything like that, which is pejorative <laughs> and paternal for me to even suggest, but I do think that there is an element that like there's still young stars figuring it out, even though they've been anointed as Kings of the NBA. It is a good point. And, and you see it throughout the team. It's really great that they have such a mix of older players to go along with them. Like even Marcus smart is getting up there now to where he's fully developed mentally. Right. That could be something you correlate with how he's matured as a player. 
taking care of the ball, taking better shots over the last couple seasons since he got the starting role. Of course, Blake Griffin, you can mention him in there. And he's been really impressive with his hustle this whole season. Every chance mm-hmm. he's got, he's really busted his ass out there. And of course, Al Horford, when he came back, was such a big piece to get. And I was excited from the jump. Not everybody was. I was calling for it beforehand. Me and Bobby Manning were when we would uh, have him on the shows. And we had him on as soon as the trade happened. Funny enough. Yeah. But you got Brogdon, who's like 30 now. There, There is a healthy mix of older players to kind of it's hold better. their hand if they truly have to. Hopefully they don't. Right. Because they should be mature in the sense of how many times they've been there. They, they are not the average 25 and 26-year-olds in the league. No. A lot of these guys don't get drafted into success, and they have to go through years and years of the lottery. Just look at somebody like Brandon Ingram, who was with the Lakers for so long, and finally the Pelicans are starting to put something together. Right. So he he has like no experience, and he was drafted one pick before Brown. Absolutely. And to your point, Cam, it got me thinking. Not that the Celtics can't win the championship this year. They're clearly talented enough to do so. But when is the last time a team has won the championship where the primary star was, you know, however old and the next star like 26 and under? They're, they're I mean, last stars. year, last year, uh, the aforementioned Tim Bontemps, who we were talking about <laughs> before we recorded, uh, he had a stat that I think it was uh, a team hasn't been to the finals with this young of a scoring duo. Like it's only happened like three times since the 70s or something like mm-hmm. that. So even a year later, looking at the 2023 NBA finals, it would be a, a very young mm-hmm. core. I mean, if you look at Shaq and Kobe, Shaq had been in the league for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so Kobe was young, but Shaq was older. There are a bunch of older veterans around. And on and on and on. Actually, this is a, something I've been thinking about is I think the average age of an MVP is maybe 26 or 27. But what's the average age of a finals MVP? Because I would hazard mm-hmm. that's much older. That is 30-year-olds plus because... There is, and again, I don't mean to be ageist. I'm not saying 25-year-olds and 24-year-olds are morons, but there is a an element of mental maturity. And again, they're not immature. There's just a polishing of how you see the world. I think anyone listening who's you know closer to 30 or beyond has experienced that in your 20s. You grow up a lot more than maybe you expect. Um, so I, I, again, I don't mean to belittle the Jays. I don't think that they're being immature. But when you talk about Blake just seeing what needs to be done and his teammates not necessarily rising to that moment, I do think there's an element about, you know, being maybe spooked by the stage, the ghosts of finals past, and kind of having your feet stuck in the mud that I think slightly older players might be able to get around. Absolutely. I mean, you look at last year, um, the Warriors obviously were in their 30s. It's Curry, Clay, Green. Also, apologize for dog barking in the background. <laughs> the Bucks a year ago. I mean, Giannis was 26, but around them you had 30 year olds, Chris Middleton, <clears throat> or who maybe was like 29, but Drew Holiday, who was probably 29, 30. Uh, Lakers older, Raptors older, Warriors twice, Cavs. The Warriors in 2015 are the first one you can look at. Curry was 26. Draymond and Clay were 24 and 24. So that makes sense. But yeah. like down the line, Spurs, <clears throat> Tim Duncan was older. Miami Heat twice, they were older in their prime. Uh, Dirk was in his prime. Kobe and Pau Gasol were in their prime. So it's like, it's not easy to win a championship at 26 or under. And you can have a leader there, right? Like Steph Curry and, you know, uh, Clay and Draymond. That's the best example of just a young core winning it. Uh, but even look at the Thunder. Like not to compare the Celtics to the Thunder, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people did that last year. But like... KD, uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden were all super young when they went to the finals and they couldn't get it done because 
<clears throat> they were just they were just too young and inexperienced. Uh, and you kind of look at that against the Warriors last year. Also, interesting. I'm on basketball reference to look at this. The total win shares for playoff top performers. I looked down the list, right? Last year or two years ago, it was Giannis, AD, Kawhi. It's always uh, on the team that either wins the championship or came in second. Last year, it was Jimmy Butler. Not like someone who didn't even make the finals. I've got he was the only one that team. I've got my big face coffee mug right <laughs> that here. That is a very cool mug. We love Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I love that. I Jimmy love Jimmy Butler as a dog. That's great. I he's hope fine. Jimmy Butler, I hope Jimmy Butler hears this. The rest of them are rats, <laughs> but he's fine. <laughs> rats. No, that's crazy to me though. Someone who didn't even make like that just shows you how much he carried them in the playoffs. Yeah, they're year. bad. Like that's not that good of a team. <laughs> They had no business going to seven games with that Celtics team last year. I've only been crying about it for months. (laughs) I couldn't believe it when it was happening. I was like, I couldn't believe they lost game six, which was a Butler performance, you Mm -hmm. know, to the point of this whole conversation. Then they almost lost game seven. Like, what's going on? Why is it getting that close? Because the Celtics were a little young. They had the yips. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler's a dog. And Bam Adebayo is maybe the strongest man in the NBA. Very good at the illegal screen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no jimmy's ridiculous like the fact that he led win shares in three rounds and in the bubble even go back to the bubble yeah. it's the same yeah. story he went jimmy crazy butler. in the bubble jimmy butler is fun he's one of those guys in the nba that you can't really hate <clears throat> or, well no let me, let me rephrase I, i'm the hater and i i agree <laughs> it's I very easy to hate him from a fan's perspective like if he's playing your team you don't like him but it's just like as a player like you got to respect what he does he's like um do you guys watch Game of Thrones? He reminds me of Joffrey. Because I thought Joffrey was such a good character because he elicited so much emotion. Mm. And most people hated Joffrey. I don't think anyone was rooting for Joffrey. But Jimmy Butler's the same way. Like, no one is neutral on Jimmy Butler. Like, everyone has strong takes on that guy. Um, and and yeah. that's what makes the NBA so great. Like, I think if Jimmy Butler was in the NFL, he, he'd be, like, out of the league because he'd be, like, su- such a pariah. But in the NBA, <laughs> even in the heat, like, the weigh yourself cut your hair miami heat you could just be like a little bit of a loose cannon and it still works it's great mm-hmm. no jack no, i, I can see by your face there you have also not watched i haven't oh. i haven't seen Game of Thrones. no i was Neither going along I, I wanted to let you finish the thought because i knew it was a good thought i'm just a terrible tv watcher so I, i'm i'm awful at context uh when it comes to comparisons usually but no yeah jimmy butler is, is amazing i love the big face mug too that's that's awesome that's fire um, we have a few days until the quote unquote unofficial start of trade season. December 15th is when a lot of players become trade eligible. We talked about this briefly on our last episode. Neither of us think the Celtics need slash should make any trades. We threw a few names out there. I'm curious sure. before I, you know, go over those and we can talk about it. Are there any names you've thought of, or you think this like any positions of need, or do you just think they should write it out, uh, for the sake of chemistry? They should probably ride it out for the sake of chemistry, but also to the benefit of injury insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a lot of like really redundant switchy pieces. Like we didn't talk about Derek white, Derek white. I felt like had an outsized role in last night's game and try as he might kept doing things incorrectly. Um, (laughs) But if, you know, Marcus Mark gets hurt, if even Jalen Brown gets hurt, he's a a pretty serviceable player to plug in as your in the starting lineup is your six man, something like that. So there is an element of the NBA playoffs where like the healthiest team usually has a puncher's chance at going the distance. And Boston is a solid nine deep plus 
Hauser plus Pritchard, maybe. Um, that said, consolidating a few pieces into a very solid 4-5 would be nice. Um, I love Big Smooth, Sam Hauser, but <laughs> I'm still not 100% sold. I mean, he's he seems like he's he's got the three down. I think he's, he's cooled got the, off. Yeah, he's cooled off just a little, yeah. just like enough shooting, to make you consider. <laughs> but he's shooting like sixty percent from three. Yeah, he, he's not Icarus. Um, I do think that the his defense is underrated. He's like a, I think a sneaky mm-hmm. strong guy, so like he can stay in front of people more. But um, I wouldn't hate exploring a more solid guy on the wing. Um, so those would be areas of concern. A a, a big that's a little more switchy because like Luke Cornett part of the problem last night was he could, he just like wasn't athletic enough to go get Kaminga or to stick with green. Yeah. Um, even though he's the tallest American player, which is great. You know, it'd be nice <laughs> if he could move his feet a little. Um, and then same with Hauser. He just like, he didn't really have any business on the floor and that Warriors didn't even have Wiggins. I mean, maybe the geography changes and it actually benefits the Celtics, but um, having a more serviceable wing player would be nice. Um I'm curious to hear your list, though. I don't really have, uh, you know, crown jewel that I'm looking at, but I guess I have yeah. a few ideas. Well, most of our list are TPE targets. We agree. We don't think trading Pritchard should be right. an option just because of the injuries and Brogdon Smart are going to miss games, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, <clears throat> there's no real guys out there you could trade to match salaries that are worth giving up the pieces, you know. So yeah. mo- most of the guys we have, or at least I have on my list, Sam, you might have a couple more. Uh, our, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> our, our TPE guys, but um, I'll start with Philly. Uh, Matisse Tybel hasn't really played for the Sixers this year um, mm-hmm. because they don't really have shooters that can cover for his lack of shooting, but the Celtics do. And obviously it would have to be, you know, for the sake of TPEs and, uh, uh, you know, a couple seconds for Matisse Tybel if they don't want to extend him because I think he is due for an extension uh, mm-hmm. now. So if the Sixers don't want to extend Matisse Tybel and the Celtics want to pay a second round pick for a lockdown defender insurance, you know, for half a season and then let him walk, I don't think that would be a terrible idea. It's just a matter of how willing the Sixers would be to give him up because he's only playing like, I think, 11 minutes a game this year. He's not really in the rotation. Yeah, the teams certainly don't like each other. I don't know about the front offices, so that'd be interesting. (laughs) They would take each other's phone calls. Um, Yeah, I don't dislike that. I... I would really like for the Celtics to chill a little bit on leaning on the offensive end and tighten the screws on mm-hmm. the defense until Rob gets back. It's unclear what the, the defensive floor and ceiling really are for the Celtics. Um, but to have Tybal in reserve, as opposed to not to drag Hauser some more, but like as opposed to Hauser slash Pritchard. Yeah, I don't dislike that. I think if the price was right. Um, that would be good, but it, it does yeah. bring back, like, is it worth upending the chemistry? Because everyone seems to get along in the Celtics locker room. So that's, mm. um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, perhaps. But I'm, I like that. That's interesting. I, I definitely haven't thought of that. Well, they lost yesterday, yeah. so it's clearly broke. Yeah. Which is why we're, we're talking about trades. <laughs> of course. That's, that's of what course. the Patriots fans that pay attention 25% of the time will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their team's not good this year, so they're 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 a little bit early, right? Yeah, I heard they're, they're um, I heard they're going to bring back Tom Brady. That's a thing that's definitely going to happen. Oh man, right? <laughs> that is the rumor. <clears throat> we shall see. I, I mean, it, it'd give talk radio a, a nice, fun storyline to talk about. Outside, sell tickets. Like Jason Tatum sucks. Sell tickets. You know. <laughs> Better looking than Mac Jones. 
Yeah, but very. And he's divorced. Hey, ladies, (laughs) come on back to Brookline, Tom. New England moms would be seething. They'd be, you know, foaming at the mouth for Tom Brady if he came back. (laughs) New England moms, while he's like looking at like Hollywood actresses, (laughs) like they would have a shot. They're ready for him. Um, let's see. Another name, Cam Reddish, has been thrown around again. Just none of these names are going to be, you know. 20 minutes a night guys, but just off the end of the bench to have that extra depth, have that extra defensive option or wing option to give Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown some regular season rest. He's been thrown around in trade rumors. It seems like the Knicks are giving him a little bit more opportunity this year. So, uh, and, and he has been thrown around as someone they're willing to quote unquote, attach to Evan Fournier to get off of Fournier's contract, which look how far we've come from the fans yelling at Brad Stevens, not, you know, for not resigning Fournier. Uh, but uh, Cam Reddish is another name I thought of because just simply because he's under the TPE. Yeah, I was just looking at my phone. Um, uh, Celtics Lab co-host Alex Skolberg really likes that idea. And I was seeing if I could find exactly what he said, but uh, I couldn't find it. Um, but on behalf of Alex, I'll advocate for that one. Um, I, I think that the Celtics should consider pushing their chips in. Um, they have... yeah. They already owe a few first-round picks. It's not like they have all the first-round picks available to them. I don't think that they should uh, be too cavalier, like we said, about fussing with chemistry. But um, having Brogdon in reserve as like the sixth man is great, but like, why not get a player that is also really, really good as the seventh man? Um, so that, yeah, that would be, if the price is right, again, pretty interesting to me. Um, a little bit of a project and who yeah. I, I don't think even Joe Missoula knows if Joe Missoula is up to that task. So that's an interesting twist is that like, you know, if the Celtics had a, a more established head coach, maybe they would be willing to take something like that on um, trying to build up Cam Reddish on the fly from raw talent to cog in the machine might be a little difficult because he's kind of had a tumultuous career through probably no fault of his own. But I do like, um buying high on talent so also Mm -hmm. more cams it's always a good thing i think (laughs) more cams around the area i love it uh yeah no i just think having that sort of you know he was big deal in college right and uh, obviously the duke connection maybe tatum would like it but he was like everyone was heralding him as the next paul george so obviously there's some defensive (laughs) yeah i know it's tough now tough to see now but there's obviously some defensive capabilities there uh, he can score a little bit. So if you have that extra spark plug, like you said, another developmental project for him, uh, maybe he'd be better suited for the heat or they need some, you know, buy low candidates. But <laughs> I wonder if the Celtics are in a good spot for a project, though. Like, I kind of yeah, feel like they are because they have their rotation so cemented. It wouldn't hurt to fill that end of the bench spot with somebody that you really have somewhat of interest in developing. Like Justin Jackson is kind of there now. And I, you don't really see anything there. Like, right. he's supposed to be able to shoot, and he can't do that. Like, I guess he's kind of long, and he could be a wing that has sized. Yeah. I think like Sam freezes. I oh, think I, I froze. Um, Excellent. Briefly, think, but you're good. You're good. I think right. Radish would just need more burn than the Celtics could give. Yeah. Because he has been, uh, Jack, to your point, a high-profile player. So he would need a high profile to kind of build on that. But with respect to Justin Jackson – a more interesting 12th man might be out there for sure. And I mean, you look at, uh, 
Bull Bull, right? You have a bunch of Celtics fans saying, "Oh, Celtic, why didn't Bull the Celtics? Bull. Why didn't the Celtics keep him?" I'm not. It's not a direct comparison, but like if the Celtics traded for Cam Reddish and then he were to go play better somewhere else, like this, he just wasn't gonna get any playing time, right? Like Bull Bull yeah. was never gonna be in the Celtics rotation as much I as he wanted him to be. I the one that got away from me is Dwight Powell. I remember mm. after the Rondo trade. This is like almost a decade ago at this point. Uh, texting. I won't say who because I don't want to out them for having the wrong take, but I was like, <laughs> man, you know, obviously this isn't a great haul, but I think Dwight Powell can play. And they were like, no, he can't. Uh, <laughs> he's he's only balling out now in Dallas because they have no one else. And Dwight Powell has been so serviceable. Um, I don't yeah. I don't think it would have ever made sense for him to be on the Boston Celtics between you know 2014 and today, but you never know. Um, seemingly throwing a Sam Hauser or a Luke Cornett in a trade to bring in talent. You might be giving up on a guy who is a year or two away from filling a real, real role. Yeah. Dwight Powell is just like the epitome of a, a good center. Like he, he just, he goes in there, he plays his role. I mean, he started all 82 games for the Mavs last year. They brought in JaVale McGee to replace him and he already took back his starting spot in Dallas. Yeah. Like he's just a quality solid center. So you got to respect it. Uh, last name I had for TPE target uh, is PJ Washington. Potentially, yep. if the Hornets decide to blow it up and enter the Wembenyama sweepstakes officially, which they probably should at this point because they're yikes. Uh, PJ Washington could be a guy to come in and give you some extra minutes. Probably not the best defensive option. Definitely not the best defensive option. But he can shoot. He can score. He's having a career season. It's just a matter of what the price would be because that could be where things get tricky. Yeah, I think. There has been some BJ Washington buzz around the league. Um, no pun intended. I think the Hornets are, <laughs> are pretty poised to like really blow it up. I mean, that's what's so interesting is I don't think we yet know how intense the Wembenyama sweepstakes are going to be. So we don't know how serious the buying and selling market will be. Um, yeah, PJ Washington, uh, really athletic, really fun, um, but much bigger than Jordan Clarkson, but like kind of the same idea. Just. <laughs> Yeah, let him cook when you need him to cook. So I don't know. I again, I think my bias would be towards figuring out how to get back to being a, a really solid defense because that's always there for you. I think you have to be an elite e- offense to win a title, but a really solid defense insulates against variability. And uh, we saw last season help the Celtics get over some offensive. Uh, discrepancies and issues they had um so i'd prefer the celtics figure out the defense but if they're going nuclear on offense yeah bring on pj washington <laughs> he's so fun it's funny mm-hmm. you, you kind of nail it on the head yesterday is the prime example if you you have a more concrete defense that might not happen or, or at least you're able to have a chance at winning that game like they were close in the fourth quarter but as soon as they got close that was it mm-hmm. it, it took them like a nice 11-0 run or whatever it was to get back in the game like if you're playing defense, that 11-0 run puts you up by five or whatever. Like there, there's just so much more flexibility for you to have an off night. It it feels like when they have an off night this year, they really have an off night, and, and that's yeah. just what it's going to be. So I I just it's it's very tough with the TPE targets and trade targets right now because you don't know which teams are going to drop out because the West is so close and the middle of the East is really close too. like a lot of teams hovering around that 500, even ones that you might think are going to be good, like a Philly or perhaps a Toronto, even Miami Mm -hmm. is like mediocre. And of course, like out West, it's like four games between first and 12th or whatever it is. It's real close. Yeah. Um, It's just like, 
which of these guys coming in is going to replace a rotation player? Like, who's getting yeah. replaced? It's I mean, tough. I... Like, Grant's so solid. Like, Sam Hauser's been mostly solid. He's cooled off lately. Luke Cornett has been one of the most impressive players to me this season because he's been so efficient off the bench. I don't know what it is after last night, but I know earlier this week it was a career high 71% from the field in the, like the 13 minutes he gets. Yeah. That's what you need in a backup guy. He's out there and he's just putting the ball in the basket when he's given the opportunity. He, he's converting the easy looks under the brim. So he's just been so good. It's like, it's like, what are you going to replace? I, I hate this. I hate, I hate trying to talk trades, but it's good because I mean, there's no need for it right now. It's better than the last couple of seasons when we had the right. TPEs to talk about. And we were like, okay, 17 million, <laughs> who's coming in? And That's a crazy TPE. How are they going to get them? And, you know, is it going to be worth it? You know, all these different prospects. And it's like, oh, wow, like it's a lot of money, but none of them are worth it. Like right. Duncan Robinson was the name we kept throwing around. It's like, uh, glad they yeah, didn't do that. I mean, it goes back to our conversation before, like to sustain – a dialogue about the Celtics for 82 games when it's like really all you need to know is they're very good. We'll see what happens <laughs> in the spring because there's not a TPE because there's not like an obvious trade need. Like there's not that much to talk about. So then it becomes like, Oh, mm. this they're broken. This is the worst. Whereas in years past it was like, all right, they lost. They really need to make that trade. Let's talk about it again, which mm-hmm. incidentally, I'm sure your podcast, uh, you're Plenty. writing our podcast between now and, February, it's just going to be all right. Let's talk about trade some more because mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. And it clicks. <laughs> it's always harder to talk about the Celtics when they're good, which is unfortunate. It's always harder to write about the Celtics when they're good because it's more it's fun. Just the same. No, the it's definitely more fun. Is. Sweet spot is when they're good, not great. Yes. Right now they're great. So they're it's... great. Exactly. It's tough, and the, the the tough part is too, from my perspective, at least writing. Like people don't want to read about, oh, they were really good again. Like no one wants to read that article. Yeah. No one, like they only want to read, oh, they stink. This is what happened, right? Like last night, I got to write about something. You know, Kendrick Perkins calling Jason Tatum scared, and I got to title mm-hmm. it something like that. Like, it, it, which also is stupid. Like, like get, I mean, Perk, come on. <laughs> one of our clickiest at Celtics Wire, I think, one of our best performing articles the past few weeks is. Uh, Lucas Samanovich, Samanovich, however you say yeah, his name, yeah. the kid in um, the G-League. main red claws. But like that was he he balled out. He scored like thirty points. Like our most clicked article for the month was about this kid because people That's love crazy. the unknown in the NBA. It's mm-hmm. the possibility of what could come next, not the X's and O's necessarily of what just happened. That G League exactly. team has been doing work over yeah, the last two seasons. They've given you some good players out of that roster. Hauser played a lot of time there, and he. Turned out to be a serviceable role player. Cornette. Cornette Cornette. played up there. Mm -hmm. Like he got his minutes. They're doing a good job with that program. Usually in the past, you didn't see a lot of results coming from Maine. You're like, oh, Langford's still going to sit there and watch. So his name Missoula was a main product. He coached there a little bit too. Yeah, maybe Cam Reddish. The Cam Reddish we need is just JD Davison. (laughs) He's looked good in his main games too. Like that looks like another okay pick. I feel like it's going to be tough for him to ever crack the rotation in boston but at the yeah. very least like that's a trade piece you keep him around you keep him <laughs> developed you trade yeah. him eventually that's something there's, there's more tape on him than yamadar <laughs> oh yamadar we still have people we, we do a pregame show i've we still have people in the chat birkin still loves yamadar he's one of our chatters in the pregame show people still love yamadar and i hate to break it to you guys I don't know if he'll ever come over to the NBA, <laughs> but uh, 
<clears throat> you never know, I suppose. You never know. And I mean, there's still Juwan Beggar in too. They've still got yeah. he, he looks more promising than Yamadar. Not to get into the whole, you know, tin can hat, you know, they're gonna have a superstar again. But if they want to bring a defender, someone who can, you know, do some stuff, Yamadar looks like an athlete and he looks like he can eventually you know, be uh, uh, Justin Jackson on the end of the Celtics bench. I won't take it any further than that, but <laughs> looks all right. Looks all right. Uh, what else? Oh, l- last thing before we get you out of here. Robert Williams, yeah. obviously, is the story of the past few weeks. Uh, you heard the hints and the rumblings that he could potentially be back for the Warriors game. That didn't end up happening. Maybe he'll be back in L.A. Maybe it's the first you know game back in Boston. What are you looking for from him and the Celtics upon his return? Like, you know, I'm talking starter slash bench. Where is he going to be? Minutes. How do you expect him to look on offense and defense? Like, what what are you expecting? Yeah, it's interesting. I have been under the impression, based on what they've said and what we know about Rob Williams, that the biggest challenge to his recovery is going to be conditioning. That he's always struggled with conditioning. Uh, Maybe he just doesn't have the same motor as, you know, other guys in the league. Um, But that... He's been off his feet for a few months now. Just getting NBA ready is going to be the challenge. And then I saw that knee brace and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> like, is his knee not fully healed? Because it, it, they definitely position it as the knee is fine, the knee's back, and he's just building strength and conditioning. But I don't know. The, something about that knee brace changed my tune on that a little bit. Um, for folks who haven't seen, he was practicing in San Francisco before the Warriors game and his knee brace, it's like, I bet I could like, fit inside of it it looks massive um so yeah jack to your question i i think he'll come off the bench i remember being at a game way back when and they brought tony Petit back from injury and uh tony Petit was probably starter caliber at that moment but they warmed him back up and i think that makes sense for rob takes pressure off him takes pressure off the starters to integrate him um and then he can come in after the end of the or towards the end of the first quarter when you know Tatum takes his rest and he can he can work with Brown or the beginning of the second quarter or something like that. So my guess is uh unfortunately for Celtics fans, far fewer minutes than people want to see. And mm-hmm. it will take time to ramp him up. I would bring him back in a low stakes way against uh the magic. I think that saying, Brad yeah. Stevens and Joe Missoula are outrageously calm people so i don't think that the sexiness of bringing him back for christmas registers with them i would like to see him come back for christmas because i do think that that's sexy and fun but um i'm gonna guess it's one of those magic games um they got a home and home against the magic next weekend so it seems like the knee is healed it seems like i mean we saw clips of him he's getting up it seems like he can jump around and stuff i think he's probably still not as well conditioned as we would like and that quickly becomes a liability i mean if you've ever played with um like i'm subtweeting really hard right now but in my men's league we had guys that are really talented but after like four minutes they're out of gas and it's like well actually now you're a liability (laughs) what the hell and rob williams really works when he's at speed but a slower rob williams is shorter luke cornett so uh i think that it will be a longer ramp period than people want and it will also be a really impactful one because um, yeah. because Rob Williams is really can I swear yeah yeah Rob Williams is really fucking good at basketball hundred <laughs> percent just just to uh, kind of piggyback onto that 
I think bringing him off the bench is such a better option because it limits the pressure on him. Just look back in the playoffs. When he came back, people were expecting him to be the same exact player after a month. of yeah. Like he tore his meniscus, had surgery, and a month later they were like, all right, like this guy's going to be nasty again. Like the team's not going to lose. They're going to beat everybody <laughs> by 30 points, just like they were for the second half of the season. And he was really inconsistent just because, I mean, who wouldn't be? You're coming off a big-time knee injury. You're out of shape a little bit. Like you're being thrown into the most intense basketball of the season, and you're expected to perform. It's really great that he's going to get like a nice, easy coast back into the lineup, whether it is against Orlando in one of these L.A. games. I don't really care. I mean, it would be cool against Orlando. Just I'll be there Friday. So it'd be like, oh, cool, man. Like we got to see Rob come back. All right. Right. But it's going to be nice to see him back. At the very least, he's exciting to watch. I think it's going to do good things for Smart as the point guard as well, because traditionally throughout his career, he has been an excellent pick and roll point guard, throwing lobs Mm -hmm. to guys on the roll. You've seen it with Horford in his first stint, even Baines, Tice, like all those guys he had great chemistry with. Of course, Rob too last season. But it's just like things get more exciting. You have that safety valve on offense. You don't always have to rely on the three. You have somebody who can just throw it up there and he'll catch it. Uh, at least, you know, before he got hurt. We don't, we haven't seen yet. That knee brace is pretty big. And, uh, you know, could be using it just to add some weight to the jumps there to make his legs stronger. It looks pretty heavy. <laughs> it looks it's like one heavy. of those baseball bat donuts that you just put in on exactly the same thing <laughs> just for his never knee know. you never know i, I mean I, I think it'll be interesting to see him in the offense especially i mean on defense you can stick him in the corner have him come over play the free safety role i think that's pretty standard for the celtics but offensively like they've relied on the three so much i'm curious to see the role he plays and how missoula integrates him into the offense not not necessarily saying i think it'll be bad but i think it'll take some time to adjust because they're gonna have to change the way they play offense for him I know Bobby Manning described it as he's basically just going to be an elevated Luke Cornett, which, I mean, you alluded to as well, which is great because Luke Cornett's been fine, but it's going to be weird uh, to see him in this offense. But uh, I think that's all I had. Anything else, Sam, you had anything else you wanted to talk about today, Celtics-wise? No, not Celtics-wise. I did remember what I was going to complain about, though. I was driving home. I just (laughs) got back from the store. I bought some new gloves for running because it's real cold out. And I'm driving, like, down the street to my house the main road and this guy in a bike just pulls out in the lane. Like he's riding a bicycle in front of me in the middle the of the, the lane. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I get so angry when I drive and then the people on the other side of the road had to stop because he was turning. So he's holding everybody on the road up. How inconsiderate can you be man on your bike? And I don't live in a city. It's not, it's not like people around the city biking. I live in a neighborhood. I live in the mm-hmm. suburbs. I live like, I don't know. Right. Ride, ride just, your bike on the sidewalk, man. I just don't get that because I find biking on the city streets so scary that yes. like get letting cars get up and around me. It's just like preferable. I'd rather not be in the mix with all the other cars. I agree. Because my goodness, that <laughs> Sam's on the road, he's going to run you down. <laughs> no, I listen. I won't run you down. I'll just think really mean things about you. Well, <clears throat> I'll say this: Sam has a few hot takes when it comes to driving. You know, I I'll do. Lay him on you. He doesn't think stop signs should exist. He thinks they should all be yields. I think they should be yields. Which I respect crazy. a yield sign more than a stop sign. I really okay, do. That doesn't have anything to do with a sign. That's just you being a dick. No, it's <laughs> not. Like, if you have a yield sign, you look, and oftentimes there is a reason to stop. And a stop okay, wait, sign is just on, there on. so you don't fly 100. Okay, so say there's of all the four-way intersections in Massachusetts, if what percentage would you turn into yield signs and what percent would you put up 
a red light or would it all be yield signs? Well, four-way intersections are tough because if it's in a neighborhood, you can't really put a light up like if it's around a bunch of houses. I think that is one of the few times stop signs are appropriate. But there are like certain stop signs where it's just like, man, I don't need to stop as I turn onto a main road because there's a stop sign. I need to stop because there's cars coming. I don't want to stop and then have to wait for all the cars to come because you're supposed to stop a certain amount of time. And then by the time you stop and do your three second stop, even though no one does that, the cars come. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Sam's worst takes are not to cut you off. He thinks that there shouldn't be stop signs on school buses. Oh, this is bad. He's a T. This is bad. You're setting me up. (laughs) Well, you deserve to be set up because that's heinous. I'm trying to like think of what the counterfactual could possibly be. Um, there should probably be stop signs attached to school buses. Definitely. There should absolutely be stop signs attached to school buses. You're a psycho. That's crazy. We had a whole argument for like 10 minutes about this. And he's like, well, they're fine. Just tell them to watch where they're going. I'm like, Sam, most of the kids. What are you paying the bus monitor for? Seriously. (laughs) They're They're monitoring the bus, not the street. Yeah, I have matured since then. All right. I'm glad. I'm glad we've elevated past that. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's about everything I had. I'm glad we got some stop sign discussions in. We have one uh, listener, Landon, who stops in for a pregame. Oh, he's he loves lot he loves the stop signs. So shout out Landon, absolute legend. But uh, yeah, thank you, Cam, for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, I always ask the guests to you know let people know where to find them because I always mess it up. So if you wouldn't mind, you know your Twitter, cool. where to find your writing, your podcast, everything, you know, let it all out here. Sure. Uh, check out Celtics Wire for visual learners or the Celtics Lab YouTube page, I suppose. Um, also host the Celtics Lab podcast. And you can find me on Twitter if you found this podcast. I'm sure you can find me on Twitter as well. Um, like we said, just calling Mr. T. It's easier than spelling things out. <laughs> I actually like if, if the NBA guys could start calling me that, it'd probably be good for my SEO. See <laughs> tab to buy, but whatever. So yeah, um, Celtics Lab. So let's plug that one. For He's sure. frozen, right? Sure. No, you're frozen, Sam. <laughs> oh, I was frozen. I could, you I could hear you. Xfinity, please sponsor this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, exactly. Same like, I can only, I can only hear Jack. Like Jack was moving and he was laughing, and I was like, "Is he laughing because he's frozen?" And I'm like, also like here. No, I'm half that. tempted to just leave all the cuts in in the episode and not cut any of them. I'm tempted to just leave them. I, there's a couple that I'll cut, but I, all of Sam's at least. I, I I usually leave Sam's going. Am I frozen? <laughs> I'll just leave them in because it's funny. Uh, but yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be on the How About Them Celtics podcast page, uh, Cam's Twitter is on the screen, and obviously check out the Celtics Love Twitter as well. Uh, but yeah, I'll let Sam wrap it up per usual. All right, I'll do it nice and quick before the internet decides to take a breather. Uh, thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're watching, you are more like than not on actually you are i did this last time too i keep forgetting you're exactly. on the how about them celtics youtube page uh make sure you subscribe leave a like leave a comment tell us we're handsome if you're listening on a streaming service you can follow us there leave a nice review five stars and if you want to follow us on any social it's there on the screen at how about them sees the twitter instagram tiktok and now facebook all will have the most updated pods shorts whatever you can follow Cam. He was very nice to hop on with us on a nice Sunday here. And you can follow Jack at Jack Simone NBA. He's doing all kinds of writing. You can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. I'm doing writing too, just not as much as Jack. That's it for us. Bye. Check, check, go.